This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the MQ1 podcast. You already heard everything built on Keen Stones. Well, I'm I'm very glad to be back from late in last night. It was a uh, wasn't the best game in the world. Not gonna lie. I mean, the 190 Dons fan travelled down to late in for a Tuesday night. Uh, I mean, at least we got through. I mean, that that's about it. But we'll get into that game later. Um, as always, Joe, you're joining us on the call today. How you doing? Yeah, not too bad. Can't complain. How's you? How you getting on yourself, Leo? Yeah, yeah, not too bad, not too bad. I say it was a. I say I had to do late in yesterday. It was just an easy trip for me, but um, I said, yeah, it wasn't. It was a bit entertaining trip. Unfortunately, Ross can't be with us this evening. Uh, he's got other commitments, which is you know completely fair enough. But luckily for us, we've got a lovely JWF Jack Wilson Fowler joining us on the call. So Jack, how are you doing? I'm doing very well, thank you, Liam. Thanks for having me on. Good. How did you find uh, Morecambe on Saturday? Um, I just went up north, and it was there. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah, good one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it was fine. Thanks, mate. Um, yeah, very cold. Um, but overall, a, a good day out. Uh, quite enjoyable. Yeah, yeah. We'll certainly get into it. It, it, it was it was bloody freezing. Um, to put it to put it bluntly, yeah. But you know, it was a good day, and it's a shame that people did miss it. Luckily for us three, there was no major travel issues. Well, thanks to Ross, really. He drove us, we drove us free there really but yeah people I had all sorts of stories about people on trains missing trains and heading back high and things like that so yeah we, we were one of the fortunate I think 257 that ended up going to the game um but yeah that's no, a good little day out and um yeah we'll get we'll get into it a 4-0 win um I think we'll do well to see a, a more comfortable three points but frankly the whole season obviously it was a bit shaky towards the start there's a few misplaced passes I think some of the players are we could tell well we, we were calling the stands between the players who'd up as well they were have a shaky start. Harry Darling put a few misplaced passes all over the place. And I think the first 10 minutes, we kind of letting him into the game. But, um, you know, we, as Lee Manning always sort of says, you know, kept sort of calm and ended up controlling the game and then got the 1 0 lead through my eyes. So, pretty controlled finish. Um, and yeah, they went from there, really. Matt O'Reilly with a few culture finishes. That second one was an absolute peach into the top left hand corner. 
the keeper had absolutely no chance of that one. And yeah, I mean, overall, it was just a brilliant performance. And there's a reason that, you know, 80 of those 11 players that started that game got into the League One team of the week because they were, they were that good. Um, and to be fair, Fish kept us in the game a fair bit of a couple of saves when he were like, I think it was like two or three nil up. Um, so yeah, I think um, everyone was re- really sharp on the day. And considering the conditions, I thought, as I said on Twitter, I think it was a vintage wave performance. Uh, so, Joe, obviously, apart from being absolutely freezing, how did you find Saturday in Morecambe? Yeah, I mean, I remember, <clears throat> I remember we were saying on the way home that imagine how grim this journey back would be had we not won or at least put in a good performance. Um, I thought it was the way I, I, I was reflecting on it was that I don't think it was a 4-0 game. However, our quality of this, you know, the players, which I'm sure we'll get onto in a minute, but some of the players' individual performances were just absolutely unbelievable. Um, you know, some of the goals were just such a high quality that, you know, I mean, I'd love to keep seeing uh, MK, but I mean, uh, something tells me that we, you know, we, we might be on limited time with a couple of these players just because of how, you know, obvious, how obvious it is that they are a different level. Um, you know, Morecambe were, were without their talisman, uh, Cole the goal, Scott Stockton. And it kind of showed at times because they had some deep, half decent opportunities, but they just didn't have that finishing touch. And obviously, they are going to come out and they're going to be having a few chances, but you know, just in terms of because they were losing from the 23rd minute. So naturally, they're going to be that you know, that's that's probably the only reason they actually had more shots than us. Had we needed to, I'm sure you know, if it was maybe still one nil for longer in the game, I'm sure we would have had much more shots. Um, but yeah, I think it was really professional performance away from home, given the conditions and and a lot of the uh, the you know the the ongoing issues surrounding the game. But yeah, two games on the road within four four days of the, of each other, and uh, quite long ones as well. So yeah, I think it was really good response uh, to the game against Sheffield Wednesday, and a really good three points to get us back on track. Uh, and you know, we now go. I think it's ten games. Uh, we would have gone since the Morgan game to our next league game. So really vital that we ended that or, you know, we, we, we entered just uh, before we entered the Christmas period that we we uh, ended the last period on a really good good note, which we did. Yeah, Jack, I don't know if you went to that Sheffield Wednesday game, but from what it sounds like, it was a complete contrast between, well, for guys who went to both games, it, you know, the performance, as Joey mentioned there, was just a you know, complete turnaround and a, you know, a bounce back performance really, wasn't it? Yeah, I'd say so. I didn't. I didn't go to Sheffield Wednesday game, but I did. Um, I didn't read up the reports, and it just seemed like a stark contrast to uh, to that game on Tuesday. I would just say the most sort of uh, pleasing thing about Saturday's performance is just going to Morecambe. It can always be like such a frantic place to go to. I mean, the pitch always seems a little bit smaller. The conditions always seem to be awful. I mean, the last time we went there a couple of years ago, the wind was so bad I thought it was going to get called off. So to go go there and to keep a clean sheet, and then also to, you know, to score four goals, and it was it was really four instances of quality. Um, it was it was really pleasing, um, really pleasing to see. Like I said, really tricky place to go to somewhere like Morecambe, and um, yeah, to keep a solid display, yeah, great. Yeah, I mean, as Joe said, there's certain players to talk about. I think I think it's only right that we start with the man who did get man of the match. I think for most people's eyes, Matt O'Reilly. I mean. Pretty a pretty good performance. Two goals, obviously got two goals, got the one assist. Um passing accuracy wise, I think it's 90%. And he didn't touch the ball too much really in the end, but he didn't really need to because when he did, whenever, whenever he did touch the ball, it was absolutely emphatic in terms of how he did that. I mean, 
it, yeah, I mean, Jack, I don't think we're going to see a, well, I hope we do, but it'll be, I'm very surprised to see another, another vintage performance of Matt Roy like that again this season, to be honest. He was that good. Yeah, certainly. I think we said in the stands, didn't we, that Matt O'Reilly is one of those players that you don't always notice because he's always, you know, bang at it, you know, at least a 7 out of 10. I think the weekend's probably one of his performances where he's, you know, 9 out of 10. And again, just just in, in those conditions as well, to put on that sort of technical display is really impressive. Um, I'm not sure how long left he has in his deal at the club, but uh, I can imagine there'll be a lot of clubs sniffing around in January. If you keep him up for that, then in the summer, uh, you'd think there'd be a lot of interest, right? Yeah, I'd be very surprised if it's just now that they're looking at him. Yeah, I'm sure it was a yeah. prize to that, 100%. <laughs> um, but yeah, he, he was absolutely terrific, Joe, wasn't he? And I think it just shows you that even if he's playing in the more advanced position, he could still be as emphatic as he is when he's playing a bit deeper. Yeah, I had a, I had a little look at his numbers compared to last year because I think he played 19. I think he played 22 games last season. He played 19 this season in the league. And he's actually already in those 19 games. He's having... He's had more chances created. He's ha- taken more shots. He's he's got five goals and four assists com- as uh, compared to three goals and two assists last season. And you think last season he didn't? He only played deeper two games, maybe two three games. Whereas this season he's been playing much deeper for the majority of games. He's, and he's probably only been six or seven. Where he's actually been further forward. So I think that's really good to see that he's not, I don't want to say get into grips with men's foot, football because that's a bit of a, <clears throat> excuse me, lazy comparison, I think. But I think that he's really just starting to show his quality and you can see how confident he is. I mean, the first goal I, that he scored it was just, he, he literally, it's the middle of the box and it's almost as if he's just stopped time. And he's just rolled the ball onto his weaker foot and just passed it in. It was so graceful. Um, you just don't see that at League One. And then, you know, great ball through to Mo for his goal. And then the presence of mind to take that quick free kick. And then Scott Twine just waits for him, waits for him, waits for him. He, Matt O'Reilly knows exactly what run to make. And again, he just floats it into the top corner. You know, it's just, it looks so easy. And I think that when people make hard things look easy you know because we always say about people doing the, the basics well well he can make the, the really difficult stuff look easy and I think that's what sets him apart from a lot of the players in the league and I think um, well all I, all I say is I hope Liam Sweeten's got a list of uh, people that are like Matt O'Reilly but <laughs> because we need a few more gems I think like that if he's going to keep on playing uh, I think almost I think I, was, I remember saying last season I think Cass getting injured was almost a good thing because it meant we could have told him a bit longer but I think if Matt O'Reilly's going to keep playing how he is then yeah it's going to be a real tough one to, uh, to keep hold of yeah unfortunately Joe I don't think they've made players like Matty O'Reilly not to his quality anyway I mean I'm sure everyone knows that anyway absolutely fantastic player uh, and sticking on that theme of you know doing the basics well and you know throws up resanding out. I thought I thought Warren O'Hora was really, really, really good on Saturday. I feel considering on on his side he had you know, like I said the last Lee. four games. Yeah, I mean, but last I mean four games since Cambridge, he's been so much better in my eyes personally. Yeah, I think I think this game in particular, I think it was well a lot more noticeable than maybe some people would have made it out to previously. Because of course he had Greg Lee, who we spoke about a lot on the on the podcast previously about being a major threat for Morecambe, and he was completely neutralised. You had McCalmont, Leeds lad, who 
you know, he's a very, very good player. You know, just because he's in that bad Morgan team on Saturday doesn't mean he's a bad, a bad player at all. You know, he's full of talent. And of course, he had a Kunja as well, who again is a, a quick player who's of handful at times. And I felt was that just dealt with them all really, really well. He didn't he didn't really send out the stats too much, but whenever he was needed, he just dealt with it. And even when it was like four 0 up in the ninety third minute, you see him making like key blocks on the edge of the on the edge of the pitch to stop throw ins. And yeah, he, he's absolutely ruthless. And I seen him at the late in game yesterday in the warm ups on the on the bench. He was really enjoying this football for the looks of things. He seems really happy. Uh, so that's a good thing to see. And um, yeah, I mean, Jackie, I don't know if you noticed it too much, much as I did anyway, but I thought was had a brilliant game on Saturday, much like the rest of the team, to be fair. Yeah, um, I, would, I would say similar to what you said about in the stats, it's not really picked up. I think was, and actually with a lot of the back line, I suppose excluding Harry Darling, you don't really notice them too much. And that, that's, not, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, I would say the last few games, what, what I've noticed with was is just his, is, is, is sort of distribution of the ball moving forward. I mean, you look at that Cambridge game when he played in Max Loftus that first goal and then put it across to Scott Swine to score. That pass was you know, brilliant. So seeing stuff like that in his game sort of develop uh, over the season is a would be quite 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 a good prospect. Um, yeah, I thought was thought was uh, really dealt with the game quite well. Yeah, and to be fair, Joe, I know you mentioned that he had to he's had to step up the past couple of games obviously Aidan Baldwin who again had another brilliant game on Tuesday which we'll get on to later he's really having to step his game up because if he doesn't then you know Aidan's going to be there waiting for it waiting in the wings waiting to start in his position um, so yeah I mean he's stepped up a lot but to be fair he's probably had to and I suppose that's a, that's a sign of a really good player isn't it the ones that step up when it's needed most yeah I think um, not, not only is it a good thing that the players are improving I think it's a really good thing for the team I think you've now got four I, in my mind, four centre-backs where if any one of them drops out and another one of them comes in, I don't think that there is a drop-off at all in performance. And that's a really good place to be in as a squad that, you know, the, the difference between the squad players and the first 11 isn't that big in, in, in that area of the pitch, I feel. I think with Baldwin, uh, Darling, um, Lewington and O'Hara, they're all of a similar sort of level. And that really is good. And it means we can rotate without having to, yeah, risk, you know, having, you know, risk almost uh, just, you know, dropping down in standard. And I think that Warren is, you know, in my mind, I thought sometimes defensively, I always thought he was pretty good on the ball, but I thought maybe sometimes defensively we saw, not not lightweight as such, but just some, we just conceded some real cheap goals. Um, but then at the end of the day, he's, what, 22, 23 um, these things are going to happen, and also the way we play as well. I think that's. I think a lot of the cheap goals we've conceded have maybe been towards the way we play, and you know we do score quite a few, but we also are going to always going to concede a fair few, due to the fact that it, the chances we do give up tend to be better chances. So, yeah, I think um, I think it's really good to have that uh, real solid defensive unit. I think Jack, do you want to add on that? Yeah, I was just going to say, um, those, those three options you got there, um, Darling, O'Hara, um, Waza, um, well, those three, so Darling, O'Hara and uh, Baldwin, they're all right-footed, aren't they? They're all, are they they're right-footed? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So have we, have, we had, have we had a situation yet where we've had one of them playing on the left replacing Louis? Because that is the one concern I have in the back line, just how dependent we are on Dean Lewis. I know he's, well, he's, he's cracking on. I know... Uh, he hasn't really put a foot wrong this season, but at some point he's going to have to uh, step out the back line. Whether that be this season, next season, who knows? But 
that's that's one concern I do have moving forward in sort of the long term vision of the of the defence. Yeah, and I think I'd, I'd be surprised if majority of Donovan didn't have that um, worry. Uh, to be honest, it's, it's been a bit unfortunate for Zach Jules. I don't think he's really developed as me people would have liked him to. Um, especially, I mean, don't dive too much in the game on Tuesday, but for me, he was a uh, he's a bit too conservative again, and maybe that's due to lack of minutes. He wants to, you know, and it, I think also, I think also for me, he's not he's just not suiting the system right now. And funnily enough, when he did actually make those forward passes a few times against um, Leighton, I actually created chances for the likes of Haram, likes of Charlie Brown. So he can do it for whatever reason his yeah. mindset is to pass backwards first to a darling or a franco than it is to actually pass forwards to haram or uh, or a troy or a charlie brown so yeah i think it's a concern yeah. but again it's it's for liam sweeting to look at and say okay maybe we need to get another center back in and that left hand side that can actually play it uh, properly which jules unfortunately can't seem to do at the moment yeah it might just be a run of game thing because he does look a bit awkward on the ball sometimes when he does play there but i suppose yeah lack of minutes can't help at all but when you go against Dean Lewinson, I mean, that's, that's going to be a thing, unfortunately. He is just that good. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, I don't know. I'm not sure, sure how you could uh, give him more minutes when Lewinson's playing well, as well as he is, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, a player I wanted to touch upon who's up front on Saturday is Mo Issa. I know, I know prior to the game, we had a few questions about how, how to properly utilise Issa up front because obviously... Well, from my from my personal opinion, he's he's very much a confidence player. Um, so hence him scoring on Saturday, and you know, you kind of pushed him on a bit more, and he actually looks really lively in the game. And again on Tuesday, he looks even on the Ian is on the bench. Him and was already getting along well. So I mean, Jack, obviously, it'd be good to get your insight on this because me and me, Joe and Ross talk about it a lot. But how how do you how do you think it's best to utilize ISO? And did we see a bit of that on Saturday? Oh, that's a good question. Um... Well, I think you're right about saying Mo Issa is a bit of a confidence player. He does seem to be one of those players like, you know, if he gets a goal early, then it seems to be, um, seems to sort of grow into, he seems to grow into the match. Like, it wasn't just his finishing on the, on the weekend. It was, you know, bringing down the ball um, on like the halfway line or just inside the box and setting it back, um, which is something that you don't always see from Mo. Um, I know that there's been a few games this season where he just sort of seems a bit quiet and then ends up coming off or, you know, parrot or what it is. Um, so... Whether or not how to, how to play him or not, I'm not sure. You'd have to probably ask the coach. Um, but I do think he's, he's a real asset to the team when he's on the pitch. I, I think um, we're better off having him on than off. Um, he's a real threat. Um, and like I said, his, his goal scoring record at this level precedes himself. Um, you know, he put him in the team as Liam Manning says he will score goals at this level. Um, so, yeah, I, 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 sort of, I do like my wife. So I think he's a great asset to the team. Yeah, I think. Joris, if you I mean to be fair, we saw we saw Mo use us yesterday to a point where I haven't seen him before. We actually went direct to him properly, whereas usually it'd be we go direct to Troy or direct to um, maybe maybe on the on the floors of Twiney. Whereas we're actually going through Mo this on Saturday, and to be fair, it actually worked quite well. You know, obviously he brought the ball down, got chances for obviously himself, um, O'Reilly, Twine. You know, it, maybe maybe the train all the time on the training pitch that. Oh yes, we say yes, we say we haven't had too much of it, but also you know it's been several months now since Mo's joined. Maybe maybe Manning's finally found a way to utilize Mo properly in terms of using his bit of bit of strength and a bit of pace of him in terms of directness on the ball, and uh, it's, it's created chances of scoring goals for him. Yeah, and I think the main key with that is because you look to the crew performance as well. 
when he also scored and also was a menace throughout. He won a penalty. And I think that the Morecambe game and the Crew game had two things in common. And that is that the two players that were playing off him in O'Reilly and Twine, both times, they were getting close to him. And they were, you know, they weren't leaving, you know, they weren't leaving Mo Issa to run down the channel and beat three people and cut it back and then get, in, get into the box. It was quick and it was sharp. And it was almost, you know, he was the focal point for the flair players to play off and do the creative. Because you got Twine who got two assists and you got oh O'Reilly who got the other assists. So there you go. Three of the four goals were set up by um by the by the two players that play behind Mo. Um and then I think in contrast to that, when we played Sheffield Wednesday, um, one of the reasons I think that we couldn't actually keep the ball was because Hiram Boateng, he just was not getting close enough to to to, to the striker. So a lot of the time when Mo or Max were getting the ball. They were almost isolated or only had Scott Twine in support because I just felt that, I mean, I just, yeah, I, it's a real shame, but I just don't think Hiram's just quite doing it for me for starting games. Um, and I've seen that a few times that it's all, it's just it's just that intensity and that making sure that when the ball comes in, you're all anticipating what the opponent's going to do. You're ready for those quick flicks, you're ready for it bouncing off someone's arse, so to speak. And Hiram just looks off the pace in that in that sense. But then Hiram will look, then go and get the ball and he'll flick it over someone's head and you're like, oh my goodness, that is amazing. Um, so that's the most, I mean, I know, sorry, I, I don't mean to bring Hiram Boateng into this, but I'm just I'm just illustrating the point that, you know, with Mo Issa, if you've got players buzzing around him, he's good at scoring goals and bringing other people into play. He's not going to be running down. I mean, he can run the channels, but, what's the point in him running the channels unless there's people supporting him? Yeah, I knew you'd find a way to mention Haram somehow, Joe. <laughs> Every episode. Oh, it, was, it was his example. It was an example. <laughs> <laughs> was convenient. No, no. I but think, we, couldn't, yeah. we couldn't keep hold of... But the biggest trouble at Sheffield Wednesday was we couldn't actually keep hold of the ball once we got it because we did get in some good positions. and But then as soon as the ball went into our own half, it was almost as if it was just one or two players that were actually there to receive it. And, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. And we said it last week, didn't we? You, you, know, you do feel like mentioning Ram every single episode, but the way he plays on the pitch, you get to mention him. It's going to happen. Like it's, it's not, it's not like he's playing left back or the right back, is he? He's, he's playing like, like a 10 sometimes. So, yeah. Um, obviously, what, a few comments to make before we move on to the late in-game. Um, I felt Robson and McEachern in terms of structure actually worked really well as like the holding team midfielders. Because obviously, if Matty O'Reilly played advanced a bit more, um, you know, those two sort of ticking around the pitch were quite nice. And yes, Morgan did have too much threat. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. I've got a stat for you that backs up what you're saying. So um, in terms of um, Josh McEachern, as he's since he's been on the pitch, we've scored twelve goals and only conceded three in um, in four hundred and forty two minutes. So that's just under five full ninety minutes. Um, and also with um, you know, I think and I think that just illustrates the fact that how much control he actually gives us. And in terms of points per match when he plays, it's two point two seven, which is the highest in the team. The next highest is then uh, Max Waters. And I think we you know been waxing lyrical about both of their resurgences in recent weeks so just something that almost confirms what we have been saying in, in the last few weeks 
Yeah, that, that plus minus that an FB ref is uh, absolute gold dust, really, because it, it does really illustrate, things said last season, it does really illustrate who's making the impact. And of course, of course, what is the second there, you know, ahead of my wife, just for Ross knows that. Um, and yeah, one, one last thing on, um, I mentioned Andrew Fisher, I thought he was absolutely terrific on Saturday. I say he kept us in the game when, to be fair, Morecambe, like they were going to get a goal. Some terrific saves and, uh, you know, forever has doubters fish does but you know he always performs whenever he has that doubt so yeah top top player I think it's just just sort of just on fish quickly you look back to the Sheffield Wednesday game and you look to the Morgan game he actually had a fair bit to do in those games but I think when in the Cambridge game for instance he only had like one or two saves to make but then when it came to that one save you know it's almost it was almost harder for the goalkeeper if that makes sense because so we saw some cracking saves against Sheffield Wednesday, and unfortunately there was two that he just didn't couldn't keep out. Yeah, but, um, yeah. I think it's it's um, sometimes it's difficult for goalkeepers when they don't have much to do, so so to speak. So yeah, two really good. Just just you know reminded us that actually he is as good as he is with his feet. He can also save a football. Yeah, you're having a, having a really good season. There's no as wonders why you know. His old boss is trying to get him back into Swansea. You know, it's, it's no surprise really. Uh, he's that he is that good. And, you know, he's having his suit most systems in the high divisions for sure. Also, a quick mention to uh, we asked you guys about your terrible Morgan trips, and luckily ours weren't too bad. Uh, but yeah, Cassie sounds pretty terrible. Three and a half hours to get there, which you know, ain't too bad. But then five and a half hours to get back. Oof, uh, that, that's a that's a rough trip. That is like literally like what that's like. A, Nine-hour round trip to go to Morecambe. Yeah, it's a bit rough. So, yeah. Well, don't forget I'm back, Tassie. Um, right, late in Orient away in the Papa John's Trophy. Um, yeah, I mean, pretty terrible game, to be fair. Um, no, no, of course, Don's went through in penalties 5-4. Uh, so, we're into the round of 16 now, Papa John's Trophy. So, I think that's three games away from Wembley now. So, getting ever closer. Um, I believe I was the only one actually went to the game last night out of us lot. So, I'll provide the main points on that. Um in terms of highlights, I right, great. Been... Thanks for the <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes, there we go. There we go. <laughs> no, no, overall, um, some positives. I felt I felt Tanai Watson and Brooke Alunga were very good. Uh Tanai Watson in particular. Um, yes, it was against the two players, but I felt he was pretty solid on the night. He I think he pretty much didn't let anything pass him the whole game. And um attacking wise, you know, it could have been better, but then again, I don't think he had the full arsenal of attacking potential up front of him on the night so you can do so much and Brooke I think that's for, I think that's the best performance I've seen and Brooke and MK Don's shirt anyway I thought he was absolutely terrific made a few pretty decent challenges lost the ball once tried to do Lewington and lost the ball um, but apart from that you know I think he was fairly solid against Archibald for Leighton Orient who actually looks pretty solid on that wing left footed player as well so a different challenge for him but yeah I thought both wing backs had a pretty decent game and of course alongside Robson and McEachran McCacker went off in, um, in about the fifth minute, but I think he picked up a slight little knock, but he seemed okay. Um, but yeah, those, those four in the midfield, technically, um, I think all had a pretty solid game. Uh, Harry Darling, as always, um, leading that back line. Uh, had a really, really good game. Of course, had his penalty, which, uh, you know, ultimately he scuffed, but, you know, he put it in the back of the net all, all, the, all, the, uh, all the same. And yeah, yeah I, was, I was saying to Joe and uh, Jack before we, Hit record on this. He was like, he went with his family into the game where his mates and said that he actually meant to fill it like top right corner. He went down the middle and through the keeper's hand. So, you know, a typical defender for you. But no, he had a brilliant game. Um, and where does that rank compared to his goal celebration in? Oh Morgan? yeah. Ooh, I mean, what was what's worse? worse? <laughs> what? Is, no, it's got with the knee slide. That knee slide was terrible. 
that knee slide was god awful um but it no, just shows no. what sort of pitch we're playing on at Morecambe <laughs> yeah well well yeah but yeah I mean outside of his knee slides and terrible penalties he's uh he's had a, he's, a, he's had a really good start to the season I think he's his past couple four or five games he's been absolutely immense uh, yeah, it's a fair play to H Aidan Baldwin alongside him also really really good game um I think that that trio with Watson Baldwin and Darling kept us in the game really at times but Baldwin was really solid uh, did his job and as we said earlier in the episode he's really unlucky not to be in the starting 11 of the league games because was is just so good as well it's just having depth for that position really um and of course franco getting his, his first professional clean sheet well done franco um i don't have too much to to be fair i put he put a shot on on the bar um that, that was about it the rest of um orient shots rather safe collections franco or went wide didn't save penalty but you know he won the penalty shootout so so you can ask him really, got us through, sort of matters. Um, negatives, don't touch too much on them. Uh, obviously, the Troy Red car was a bit frustrating. Um, just as Manning said, complete lack of discipline on the pitch, which don't really want to see, especially that late in the game. And that's obviously the second cut against Road now. We've had a sending off, which isn't ideal. Um, oh, do, I, do I mention Haram? Um, I probably shouldn't really. Uh, yeah, he, he was he wasn't the best, unfortunately, uh, on the night. And to be fair, I think I think a part of it was due to another player he wasn't. I didn't feel was particularly great on day was Jack Jules. And he mentioned Jack Jules is, is it minutes potentially? It could be minutes. Um, but yeah, a bit too conservative for me. And I think those two together um, have got a I've got to do a lot better, especially attacking wise, if we're gonna if they're gonna play more games. Um, Charlie Brown up front. He played okay. Obviously, he got brought off. He got brought off early. Um, he had a few chances towards the start of the game. Put some decent balls into the box, but no one was there really. When I think if it was a Moise in front of him, probably be there putting it away in, in the back of the net. Um, but yeah, apart from that, um, I think after the first 20, 30 minutes, he didn't really do too much really. So no surprise he got took off towards the end of the game. Uh, but yeah, overall, really glad to be through. Um, and yeah, it'd be interesting if we get in the next round. I think it's not till New Year now we're playing the Papa John's. So. Yeah, it'd be good to go to Wembley, of course. Uh, yeah, Joe, what's up? Um, I was. Would you say that any of the players maybe staked claim to be starting in the next game against Plymouth, Ooh. maybe Tanai or or Robson, or do you think that it was some solid showings, but nothing that maybe will change Manning's mind quite yet? Yeah, Ethan Robson's got a knock on the door. Surely that, that's the second set of game now. He's had like a really, really good performance. I mean, I'm not sure. McEachran looked okay. Um, I'm, obviously, we'll hear more about that. Made the weekend off with him a lot, actually, in terms of getting back onto the pitch. But, yeah, it'd be harsh to drop Robson. And, of course, Aidan Baldwin, as I said earlier, been terrific, really. But, yeah, of course, when you're looking at the likes of Kaz and O'Hara, two players who are either really on form and slash all the best players in the squad, it's, uh, it's really tough to see them starting. To be fair... If Brooke plays like that every week, you wouldn't. It, Dan Harvey could be in trouble. It, yeah, that's how good he was. I felt personally, um, considering he's eighteen years old. I think he's eighteen years old, so I probably should be nineteen. Um, and yeah, the performance he put on, he took some more risks in the second half. Um, I think Manny made the point he wasn't too. He was too conservative, a bit like Jules was. And obviously, Glenn playing on the same side didn't really help things. But yeah, no. If Brooke can, if Brooke can gain some confidence really quickly and actually. If he has like the likes of Scott Twine alongside him, who can drift in a bit more, you know, I'd never say never on Brooke. To be fair, he, he, he had a solid game. 
Yeah, what would you what would you say the biggest difference is between Brook and um, and Daniel Harvey? Then what would, where would you say their game their game's different? Oh, that's tough because I actually think they're very similar. I okay. I think I think Brook is just more energetic overall, and that's not that's mm-hmm. not a slight Daniel Harvey whatsoever. I just think Brook is a bit more suited to a a high risk high reward strategy. Whereas Dan Harvey is a lot more yeah. solid at getting the ball in the box and you know, putting a decent cross in for, say, a Parrot or whoever. Whereas Brooke will actually, you know, be like we said last season, you know, cause an action, create a problem, which the likes of O'Reilly or, or like a lad. Yeah, exactly. Like a lad. Yeah. Who can actually, you know, cause something, something to happen rather than Dan Harvey, who necessarily he creates something, whereas um, Brooke will cause something to happen. So yeah, yeah, it's interesting to have that option squad actually, and it kind of puts me in a position where I mentioned last week about does does the left wing back need to come in? If I said if Brook propelled that, probably not. Yeah, I suppose then you've got to wonder who's going to be screaming at the linesman, who's going to be screaming at the ref if Danny comes out of the team. You know, is Scott finally able to you know pick up the uh, pick up the piece for him? Who's going to get the cheap yellow cards? Yeah, uh, Cass, Cass got that taken care of. Don't you worry about that. Yeah, well, we got yeah, true. Can sure can cover that. <laughs> it's just maybe fish can get a few more for time wasted or something. Yeah, yeah, That'd exactly. Okay, um, yeah, there's really not much else to say apart from that, that late in Orient game. Um, yeah, it's good to get through. Good to see some of the players in the squad that I don't usually see on a Saturday. Um, and yeah, hopefully some of them stay claim to get into that first team uh, against Plymouth and beyond that. Okay, we'll take a short little break and then we'll dive into the Plymouth game. This podcast is a proud member of the FanHub 100. Football without fans is nothing, so we've partnered with FanHub to put fans first. Search FanHub app to play your part in the journey. Okay, so no weekend action for MK Dons this weekend, but we've got a I love it was Sky Sports class on Wednesday night against Plymouth on TV. And uh, Joe, I believe you've got all the insight we need into Plymouth, so uh, I'll let you take it away. Yeah, as you mentioned, our first game on TV this season. Uh, I'll still be there, though, for my sins. Uh, but no, looking forward to it. And uh, I guess it's going to be a good clash. As many people will be aware, Plymouth are currently sitting in fourth place in the league. Um, to be quite frank, it's quite a surprise that Ryan Lowe is still in charge considering how they literally were probably the worst team in the season for the second half of the season last year and stayed up, you know, by, you know, not, not too comfortably, really. I think it was just there was a few more worse teams than them. Um, but overall this season, they've made an absolutely cracking start. They lost their first game of the season, went the next 16 unbeaten and they've lost the last three. So it just goes to show that they're, you know, it's not just a flash in the pan. They're putting some good runs. They they put a really good run together. I think it was the longest in running in the in the EFL. Um, so good on them. Uh, so far, they've um, played twenty games. They've won ten, drawn six, and lost four. And um, three of those losses have actually come in the last three games. And they were all against teams that. Um, and well, they've lost four games and. Three of them were against the top three and the other one was against Charlton, who, let's face it, Charlton shouldn't be where they are on the table. And uh, Johnny Jackson seems to be doing an absolutely incredible job uh, with them at the moment. Um, in terms of the Plymouth team, I think one of their biggest strengths has been their consistency this season. They've, you know, got a fair, they've not got the biggest, well, they've not got the biggest budget, 
but they've they recruited quite well in the summer. They got some players in like uh, James Wilson from Ipswich, who was just discarded really, but now he's well, he's above Ipswich in the table. Uh, Dan Scar from Walsall played in the same Walsall team as uh, as um, Jack Jules last season, and also Brendan Galloway, who's barely played football for about four years. So it just goes to show that they've, you know, you don't necessarily have to buy money, uh, spend loads and loads of money to be successful. A lot of the time, it's about identifying what your team needs and going out there and finding it. Um, they, as I say, that the, the starting eleven is very consistent, um, and you can pretty much guess at least nine or ten of the players that will be starting against us. Um, um, and that's in a three-five-two, so very similar formation to us. Um, um, and but they've also got people in the midfield that can really get up and down the pitch that are really athletic. Uh, but they've also got a bit of steel in the middle as well in uh, a former Don in uh, Jordan Houghton, along with Brendan Galloway. Um, so um, in terms of just a couple of um, little things I found out about Plymouth, they've actually scored um, first only 10 times this season um, and they've actually conceded first 10 times as well. A, a, a margin, a bigger margin of uh, of goals may be needed at, at some point if we do go ahead. Um, and I think that is, that's really good strength of theirs. And I think a few of the few stats that actually highlight maybe why this is, is they've actually got the third highest XG from open play. So they're creating plenty of chances from open play. And that's not a surprise given, you know, the system, the manager and, and, and uh, the personnel. But actually, they've also conceded the fifth most expected goals from open play. So when you look at that, for a team that's so high up the table, uh, maybe they're due to be conceded a few more because they're certainly giving up chances. Uh, but I think that the, I think, and, and Jack's going to mention some more about the keeper, who I believe is uh, helping them out a little bit in, on that front. Um, and then they've also got the seventh highest XG conceded from set pieces. Now, MK Dons this season, we've actually been pretty good in terms of uh, attacking set pieces. So that could be an, another area which we can look to exploit. We've scored eight goals this season from set pieces. And I remember last season how, I can't remember how many times I was saying, yeah, we're scoring loads from open play, but we just don't bloody score any goals from set pieces. So it's really good to see that we're adding that into our game, even if it is the odd 30 yards, got twine free kick. Um, so overall, I think, even though I've just given those stats, I do think a lot of the time when a team that plays three at the back and another team that plays three at the back, it can be quite a tight game. If you look at the games from last season, I believe it was 1-0 at their place and it was 1-0 at our place. And I think both teams are fairly similar in how they play uh, looking back at last season. But what we've, what we've what's happened is both teams have definitely developed and added more quality to those teams. Uh, uh, another player I haven't mentioned for Plymouth, speaking of quality, is a, a certain Kieran Agard who's also who's, uh, joined Plymouth Argyle. So... Uh, yeah, pl plenty of former dons in this one, of course. Cagsy, top, top player. Uh, Jordan Houghton, obviously, was really solid for us and just didn't fit into the system here. And uh, yeah, Galloway, who we haven't seen for a long time, to be fair, but obviously he was meant to be one of the, you know, the, the promise, you know, to the promised land. Um, nice back in League One, but he's still a very solid player at his level. Um, and yeah, I mean, Jack, obviously, Joe mentioned you've got a few notes with some key players. Obviously, I've got my own notes as well, but do you want to go through yours first? Yeah, sure. Um, you'd be surprised to hear I haven't got any notes on Kieran Agard. Um, but I have gone, we spoke about Fish earlier on the podcast, um, and I've uh, I've gone for a, a player, obviously, very similar to Fish, same position, 22-year-old academy graduate, Michael Cooper. Um, so, yeah, goalkeeper for Plymouth. Um, he started all 20 games uh, in the league this season. 
Um, and he was the young player of the year last season as well. Um, he's really highly regarded um, in Plymouth. I've read a few um, read a few forums by Plymouth uh, from Plymouth fans, and they've all seemed to really say how he's come on this season. Uh, they talk about how assertive he is in his box and how comfortable he is at the, with all its feet, which obviously for uh, for Plymouth is quite important because they do. Although Joe says they do mix it up, um, I think the keeper is expected to be comfortable with the ball at his feet. And uh, I've got last year that he's a, he's a good, he's a solid shot stopper, which I might say that's his job, but you know, he still needs to be done. Um, I watched a few of his clips, and uh, I think this season he got um, an assist for the assist against Burton. So he uh, got the ball in his own box and uh, threw it to the halfway line. I think set off um, Ryan Hardy, who squared it to um, get it to Broom to get his goal. Um, yeah, um, all, overall, really solid player. Um, from the clips I've seen, um, and there's no surprise that there's a, a lot of uh, interest coming from from the uh, Premier League and the and the Championship. Um, I think he's one player we should keep an eye out on. Hopefully, obviously, he yeah, yeah, has um, on on Wednesday. But uh, yeah, overall, I think he's had a really 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 solid season. Yeah, and um, obviously, Tim for a team that this podcast has really liked for the past couple of seasons. To be fair, and. I know, I know Joe likes to push his kind of grant propaganda and I'm, I'm the same with Shinte Kamara. Um, and all you got to do is look at his heat map. He's an, an absolute joke of a player, to be honest. The fact that he's not in the championship or high yet is, um, well, amazing, to be honest. Uh, and the thing is, the best thing is about Kamara is the stats don't really say the best of it either. Um, you know, obviously, the two the two tackles per game and not really being dribbled past either much of the game at all maybe outlines it a bit, but he's just an absolute immense hard worker. And I know... I know Don's after him for a little while. I unfortunately couldn't get him. Um, and you can see why he, he, suits a, he suits a team like ours or Plymouth really well because he just works for the team and is that, you know, sort of Kante-like player in the lower leagues who you know, can really help a team push on. And clearly with Plymouth, it's uh, pushed him onto top of the table for most of this season. Of course, he dropped off a little bit in the past couple of results. But apart from that, they've been... They were pretty solid. So, uh, Joe, any any Conor Grant propaganda for us, or we all good? I mean, Conor Grant's just a great player. I think if anyone, I was going to just mention, um, like Jordan Houghton, he's almost for us. He's basically their quarterback, and that allows Kamara and Broom. The one, it can be very dangerous for us, but two, if we win the ball high up the pitch and counter attack, then it could be an opportunity to really get and attack them. So I think, you know, there's two kind of swords to that, uh, two sides of the sword to that. But I think ultimately um, it's going to be, you know, who's, I think it's about who's best, whose flair players can really, you know, put their authority on the game. Because that midfield battle, you know, because we've got quite a few options, but, you know, thinking about it, would you rather go for a castle? Would you rather go for a keck in the middle there? Do you want the control or do you want the physicality and the uh, breaking up of play? So, yeah, there's plenty for Liam Manning to think about in the coming week. Yeah, and, and luckily he's got a good week to think about it. He hasn't got a game Saturday to worry about. Um, and yeah, obviously, yeah, no surprise to see Darren McAntony's loan starting. He's doing well, to be honest. He's a, he, much people don't like him. He's, he's a clever man. He's a clever man. Um, okay, boys. He got a decent player off them ourselves as well. So. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, there you go. There you go. <laughs> Okay, so gents, how do, how do we see Wednesday night going? Obviously, it's a it's a bit it's a bit far away. Not going to lie, but I think I think our squad will fairly say the same. Obviously, no Troy Parrot. We're we're hoping that Max Waters will be available. Um, by the sounds of it, it he should be okay. Um, but obviously, we're here from Lee Manning close to the time. Uh, Joe, how do you reckon it will go against Plymouth? Uh, 
Um, I think, as I mentioned before, just previously, I think that Plymouth are going to leave spaces in behind and they will concede chances. And I think one thing we've been really good at this season is going direct and bypassing the, the, the press, so to speak. So if they have got the ball high up the pitch and they lose it, I think having Max Waters to run in behind and you know chase those balls over the top and in behind, I think that would be really useful to have his pace. Um, again, only it only really works if you've then got people supporting him. Um, I think that there's going to be quite... It's a weird one because I think at this, uh, on one hand, I think we could completely cancel each other out and it's going to be a pretty boring game. Or on the other hand, it could easily be a 4-3 because both teams are great at going forward. Uh, I remember we had a 4-3 in League War, League 2 against uh, Ryan Lowe's Berry team. Um, so, yeah, I, I personally think it's going to be a tight affair this one. I think we may edge it one nil. Okay, and a nice nervy encounter for Sky Sports. I'm sure they'll love that, especially with two, the two highest, or well, two of the highest uh, scoring teams in the league. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, for me, I'm I'm glad you brought up the the open XG conceded stat because it's one that you know I always look to when I look at teams and. Uh, I said a similar thing regarding Wigan and that I think well we, we by the stats show that Plymouth are due to concede some goals and as the as the top scorers in the league as as we're saying this you know I'd like to think we can exploit that quite nicely um, and we'll pretty much well apart from having Troy we'll pretty much have our full Arsenal up top up top so I'd like to think we can get the three points here obviously we need to really win our home game especially against teams in and around us um, can't keep dropping points to teams like some of them things like that we need to be pushing on really. So yeah, I like our chances a lot in this game actually, and it'll be it'll be interesting to see, especially under the sky cameras and under the lights, how the boys actually perform. So, uh, Jack, how do you think it will go? Um, yeah, I think it's obviously going to be a tight game. Um, I can't I can't recall any MK Dons game where we played someone you know in the sort of top six area where, where we've we've come out like easy winners. It always seems to be you know one nil or two one. I think something to also mention is the fact that Plymouth are, are away on uh, on Sunday to Rochdale. So obviously uh, more minutes than us, uh, a bit more travelling than us. Um, so that could also come into um, come into play. Um, I do think we'll come away with the result though. Um, I think probably a, I think a two one. Uh, I can see I can see Plymouth scoring first. Um, but overall, I think at home I back us to uh, to to make chances. And I think with the quality we've got up front, I think two one. I think it will be. Like it, like it. Free, free home wins, pretty much over over all three of us. That's great. Um, yeah, it's an interesting game actually. I'm really looking forward to it. Obviously, you're gonna miss it on Saturday, really. But it'd be nice to have a little break. Um, I'm sure. I'm sure as the media team said to us, they're gonna take a nice little nap in bed. Uh, I don't blame them. They've been working their ass off, so fair play to them. Um, Putting I'm in the sure, miles. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Much like all of us. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure a lot of us will be doing the same. Um, but yeah. And yeah, I mean, as you would have seen if you follow us on socials, we posted our um, Spotify rap numbers earlier. I mean, that's just a brief overview of um, the pod in general, just on Spotify. But it was really encouraging to see, you know, that everything's you know heading in the right direction, and we're really pleased with that. And thank you all once again for your terrific support. And as always, you know, if there's any feedback you guys would like from us, uh, please let us know. Um, you know, we we have some plans for towards the end of the season um, that we would really like to do. So yeah, hopefully that can. That goes well, and hopefully you guys like it. But um, yeah, as always, if it if it's uh, some more short stuff that we can incorporate now, we're always open to that. And uh, yeah, we welcome any feedback. 
So thank you for listening to the latest episode of the Inkland Podcast and enjoy your weekend off. But until then, come on, you dons. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.